Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, this morning we thank you to be in the house of God with the people of God, those you've given us to enjoy the body. And you said that if we don't discern the body, we will be sick and we will be disconnected and we will even die. Uh, The deficiency of not being in the body, part of a body, letting the blood flow, the blood of Christ flow through our body. So Father, this day we are preparing just days away from the Christmas morning where the world will celebrate the birth of Christ into this place as a king of glory. And there were wise men bearing gifts, and I pray that we would give our best to the king and display and bow down and worship, that we would perfect our worship in all things and not be distracted or moved, that we would be excellent in the manner that we express our appreciation and our gratefulness to everything you've done, everything you're doing, everything you will do. So prosper your word in the hearts of your people. Allow it to be a soothing balm that heals anything that comes into our life to affect our relationship with you and with those you've given us, our neighbors, our family members, our friends. Allow us to do all things for the edification. Allow us to have a word in season that uplifts and encourages. Allow us to have clarity in the midst of storms. Father, we know and we can trust your faithfulness in our lives. So in the Christmas story, things that were told many, many, many thousands of years ago were fulfilled on that day, except the world was not prepared and they missed celebrating the Christmas gift that you gave to the world. Bless your word and prosper it in the hearts of your people. Let it be a good seed planted in good heart that would bring forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies you. Refresh us in your word and in your presence through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So here it is foretold, uh, the Christmas story, way before uh, it occurs. Um, And and for whatever the case may be, from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, through the New Testament, when Christ appears, and the New Testament is actually the story of the life of Christ, um, it had been the, the pursuit of a particular people, how God would fulfill these things? How would God cause historical time and place, prophetic history, uh, over 300 verses in the Old Testament were fulfilled in one person in one lifetime? Um, As I was out this week, uh, I ran into a man and He says, look, I'm here and I want to share with you. I go, good, I'm glad you have the sharing spirit. I want to share with you also. And I gave him my book, What is a Man? And I shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, well, I'm I'm this particular religion. And, And it's a real twisted religion. And I said, see how funny life is? People like you find, choose a way That's not the way because Jesus said, I am the way and you haven't chosen Jesus. So I I think it it bears responsibility on us to to be able to tell people you're missing it. Um, Last night I was talking to a a man. He he grabbed a gift 
and he went to the grocery store where he often goes and he's related with people there that a young, I think it's one of the workers there, one of the bag boys. And he was waiting to give him a Christmas gift because of the relationship they have. And an old lady in line says, look, just go ahead and take him because he's here. He's upset because he's going to return something. This is an old hag, bah humbug, Scrooge. And, and he says, no, actually, ma'am, I'm here to give him a gift because I'm a Christian and I want to appreciate who he's been the whole year. I love that. I love that because that's where we, are, we sit. That's who we are. We're not the ones returning things that are broken and complaining about them. We're the ones that don't have to show up, but we have a gift for those people during the year that have done something. And so I have purposely this week, whenever we're at a place and, and they give us the bill, I, I add some money to the tip and I say, Merry Christmas. In other words, you know, I want to be different in this world where everybody's doom and gloom. I'm going to be the light. I'm going to, I'm going to bring joy. I'm going to bring peace. And if we're not the people, then we can't do that. Well, she ended up saying, well, what, what, what religion are you? She went there too. First she's upset. Now he's doing something good. Instead of praising and saying, man, that was powerful. You know, I'm, I'm so, no, what religion are you? And he says, ma'am, I'm a Christian. And he goes, well, you're a weird Christian because usually Christians are always telling people what to do. You've never seen this brand of Christian, world-changing Christian. You know, and, and so he was able to testify to her. And then at the end, she didn't even receive it. She goes, well, I don't believe what the Christian religion says. I have my own sayings. And he goes, well, God bless you, ma'am. See you later. <laughs> I'm out of here. But, but the exchange was funny because it's going to give you a lot of opportunity. I think we should champion Christmas in that light and not be caught up with a different spirit. But here in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 26, we start hearing a little bit about this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent. So Elizabeth um, was pregnant. Um, and the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin, verse 27, she was engaged to be married to a man whose name was Joseph. And they were from the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. All manner of stuff are written about Mary except the things that are in the Bible, and we should just stick with what's on the text and not other things. And he saluted her, coming to her, the angel, verse eight, uh, 28, uh, said, the angel said, greetings, favored one, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women. The, the preparation of this, and I, I need to say this because I think people are all caught up in the time of their expectation and not preparing to be the person that God is going to visit which means she was already fulfilling who she was that, that cultivated when the visitation came. So greater than the visitation or the answer to your prayer or the, the coming of God's uh, provision and gift, you cultivate a life at that level so that you are you, you are prepared as, as good ground to be visited. 
that you are where you, who you are and where you need to be so that God can fulfill the purpose he has with you. And like I told you, I'm terrified to think that all the things that were happening in the surrounding circumstances and situations of these people's life, that they would not make it to the actual time and date. What's that mean? Um, the Jewish people were all caught up under the bitterness of the Roman um, occupation. And, and they, they were not content with, with seeking out what time this would happen. They actually, when the wise men show up, they even give them the address. Oh, you're looking for the time the Messiah is going to come? It says in the town of Bethlehem, you're going to see. And they had all the information, but they weren't walking in the information. I've seen so many Christians that could quote scripture left and right, and they know the whole Bible, and they never are at where they need to be. They can't find to get there. Um, I talked to people over the years, and, and one of my hardships in life is talking with people that tell me, I, you know, I tell them, oh, I'm a lawyer. And then they tell me, I went to law school for a semester. Or I almost went, or I wanted to go, or I could have gone, or my parents wanted. But they didn't fulfill that which was in the line of the order of everything God had prepared. I think it was awesome what Carmine said. I know God has a purpose with my life, and I want to walk getting prepared for that purpose. That makes everything make sense. And I know that everything I go through is happening for my good so that I could correct, repent, improve, and get closer to where I'm supposed to be so that I can see what God has for me. And I think the Christmas story is, is compounded by the fact that certain people were there, and you know who wasn't there? The government which was the authorities, the governors, the people in places of legal authority and government did not prepare for his coming. The business people, which I would say are, is the people that turned them down at the end. The business people were occupied not in preparing for the move of God. They were into cashing you know, looking for the cash cow and making money. And I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'll tell you where I'm at right now, that wherever people have the hype of how to make money, I don't want to be there. I don't want to walk there because I know that that might be the gifting of the devil to take me away from the purpose of God. Why? Because he's going to stick the little carrot in front of your nose and you're going to be there smelling what you're not going to have because you're not going to enjoy it. But in the purpose of God, there's going to be a richness and a treasure that far surpasses any amount of money in the bank. And, and we've lived it. We, we understand that peace and joy does not come from provisions. Uh, and there's mighty, I, I have, I, I could sit here and list at least 100 names of people that I know personally that have a lot of money and no peace. That have a lot of money and no joy. That have a lot of money and don't have purpose in this life. And so at the time of that coming, and I'm reminded of Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, he had everything. And at the same time, he didn't have nothing. Because he didn't have God. He didn't have the hope. He didn't have faith. He didn't have love. He couldn't leave a legacy to his daughter. And so we are different types. And, and so this is, 
uh, the angel comes and says, highly favored, you're blessed. You're, she's walking in the mindset or the, the proper pers perspective in her disposition before God. The verse 28, or verse 29, but she was greatly perplexed. She was surprised by God at what he said and kept carefully considering this manner of greeting. This is the same thing that happened to Gideon. He says, mighty man of valor. And he says, you're not talking to me. That doesn't define who I am because I'm scared and I'm hiding and I'm the least of the tribe. So uh, I think a proper perspective of who you are in Christ, um, you know, the Jeremiah would say, I'm wonderfully fashioned. I'm, I'm the, I've heard Bishop say a thousand times, it doesn't matter where I come from, I'm the right result. What the world tries to tell me, I'm not qualified, I'm not dignified, I'm not, I don't have the pedigree, I'm not from, listen, you better know who you are in Christ. And what is the purpose of God in this world or else you'll be lost in the shuffle. Your significance doesn't come by your accomplishments. Say that one more time. Your significance doesn't come by your accomplishment. It's not what you do, it's who he is and who he made you to become that, that is significant. So here we go, we continue to go. She was perplexed by the greeting, verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The way you're living attracts the purpose of God in a wonderful mindset. If you were rebellious, disobedient, if you're walking contrary to God, you're missing the appointment. You miss the appointment. Verse 31, listen carefully. You will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name. You shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be imminent. He will be prominent. Verse 32. He will be called the son of the most high God. Son of the highest. When you, when you, when you walk in that identity, trust me, you act different. You'll even return that little shopping cart at Publix, you'll return it to the car place. <laughs> For the sake of who you are. Because you want to do things right. You'll pick up the piece of paper on the ground. You, you'll be the one that cleans up instead of the one that dirties. You'll be the answer and not the problem. Because you are a son of the Most High. So that's what is being introduced here. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's destined to rule. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. He'll take a place of authority forever. And of his kingdom, there's going to be no end. The, the challenge of our life, however you want to put it, and wherever you're being tried, is, is will you be able to carry responsibility? Or will you be a whiner? Will you be a person that feels victimized with every entrustment of responsibility? No, that's not the spirit of Christ in us. The increase of his government, there shall be no end. And the zeal of God will perform it. Let me be the head, Lord. Let me rule. Let me, let me rule, not, not, not for the sake of overpowering those unsubject to my leadership, but let me be a refreshing to those I serve. Let me take on more responsibility so that, so that people, and that's what we, we determined a servant is, is one who lightens the load. That's how we've defined it. 
Are you the one that comes to the situation to cause the load to be less? Um, and, and you refresh those you serve. And so in that regards, we, we have this introduction to Christ coming. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says that now what the angel had announced, now it's coming into play. And I, I think it's a glorious thing that I just told a man this morning. What does God say about your situation? You, you shouldn't have other people bringing you information. You should go straight to the one who has a word to give you. And what he speaks will come to pass, surely. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Every, every expression of authority in our lives direct us in the purpose of God. And if you go against your authority, all you're doing is you're subverting and diverting and distorting and taking a detour from the purpose of God in your life. If you tap into the authority, you know where you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be in it. And you, nobody can mess with you. They say, hey, what are you doing? I'm where they told me I'm supposed to be doing what they told me that I'm supposed to be doing. Then you, you're, you're scotch-free. But if you're running against the authority, if you don't even know who the authority, and, and so that's the problem of lawlessness in the last days, everybody will be doing what they think is right in their own eyes. They will be walking contrary to the purpose of God. So, so wherever we've gone, I, I want to tell you a secret about our DNA here in this house. If we've traveled the nations, we always first go to the authority in that nation. Why? Because that'll connect us to the purpose of God in that nation. And so we, we've, we've gone to many countries and we'll go, we'll say, okay, who's the prominent Christian leader in this area and we want an appointment with him and we'll tell him we're in your country and this is the assignment God has given us and we want your blessing and we want you to your input and and it's it's super prosperous and impactful to walk in that scenario um Nick was telling me something yesterday and and this is how I raised my children um, he went up to visit his sister in Washington, D.C. And if you know Christina, Christina is going a million miles an hour in 50 directions. But she says, Dad, I could see that what's inside of her is what we cultivated. She said like this. He, she says, oh, now Nick and Mel are here visiting me. We could do this, this, this. And she, every time they were going to do something, she had where to go, when to go, and how to go. But she would always go to Nick and say, unless you have anything else, do you want to do? And she would check with the honor and the authority of his age and leadership in her life. So that's the way we need to move. We, we have a lot of potential in every direction, but we want to make sure that we're consistent with what God is saying. And then when Nick felt that, yeah, that was a doable thing and it didn't conflict with the purpose of the trip. Yeah, that's, let's go do that. And so that was inside the framework of moving in the right direction. But these are all fundamental elements and principles that if we are violating our authority, a lot of you wives, you have a lot of incredible ideas, but if you're not constantly checking with your husband, you rock the boat. 
Don't rock the boat, baby. The boat will flip, baby. We were canoeing down Peace River, and so a canoe hit us and flipped us, and Christina was four years old. And so I jumped out of the boat so the boat wouldn't tip, and I held the canoe. But there were alligators there. And she was like, Daddy, I don't want to die. I go, I don't either. So women, check with your husbands and don't overpower them. We just had a situation taking place in Sunday school, and this is the day-to-day practical stuff in church. All the women Sunday school teachers dressed up their classrooms. They look like Christmas. Not the guys. The guys that look like a pea locker room with pizzas. And so they went in there. They said, what are you guys celebrating? Christmas. We have food. (laughs) No, no. I said, well, maybe we should allow the wives to come in and help their husbands decorate that, you know, because a wife have a gift like that. And then I said, yeah, but be careful that the wife doesn't take over the, the whole place. So you, you have participation, but you're not supposed to trump and step over your husband as a non-person because you have capacity. And that, that is the character of Christ being, because he's the head. And when you honor your head, you're honoring Christ. Submit unto your husband as unto the Lord. So I know, listen, you Cuban gal is going to have problems with Jesus. You're not going to be able to overpower him. He's going to rebuke the heck out of you. He'll probably say, get thee behind me, Satan. Don't trample your husband. Not because he is not as competent as you, but because he has an office that the kingdom of God honors and is deference to. Anyways, this is not that type of message. But, but I just want to speak in that regards that, that the authority had, had put in place that everyone should return to their hometown and be, be registered. Uh, verse 2, this was the first census while Quirinius, um, we call him Quint, was governing Syria, uh, governor of Syria. And everyone went to register to, for the census, verse 3, each to his own city. I have something that I want to say about that. So Joseph went up to Galilee, from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth. It's 90 miles from Bethlehem to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. It's a little bit south of Jerusalem because he was of the house and family of David. I I want to say about this, and I was discussing with my wife last night, that what happens to a people that don't belong anywhere? Where do they go? They're wanderers. They have no home. And so, so in, in <laughs> these holidays, I've seen so many people gathered with people that are not their family. And they feel more comfortable with friends And they're not grounded to a place and to a purpose in God. So when you live like that, you diasporas, you're spread and scattered. Why Why does the devil do that upon the earth? The, the strategic rule amongst the indigenous tribes is when you conquer a town, grab and eradicate, uproot the people and travel to another place where they're unfamiliar where they don't know who they are or where they come from or what they're doing because the devil wants to steal your identity because when he steals your identity, he steals your legacy and your inheritance. 
And so when you're uprooted from your family and people and you, you're displaced, you lose being able to accomplish the purpose of God. That's why we find it odd that, that, you know, that our children would not carry the preparations of what they've been groomed for. I, I read the history of Churchill and the king um, that was put in place to defend England when Hitler was destroying Europe. And he had been groomed his whole life till the age of 31 to be the king of England, groomed. I, I don't know if you guys know what groomed, prepared and put in place time, history, everything was prepared for England to have a leader. And guess what he did? He abdicated his call. He took his scepter and told his little brother, you lead because I'm taking off with a woman. And he started giving up secrets of England to Hitler. He told Hitler how Hitler could conquer England. But he was groomed to defend England, to fight the battles, to lead the armies. But he gave up his scepter, went to the enemy and says, this is how you can conquer my country because and then that way you can make me keen again and then I could do whatever I want and marry this woman that nobody wants me to marry. And he was caught. He was caught giving the German secrets. And so Churchill and the little brother, the, the new king, said, we got to remove this guy. And you know where they sent him? To the Bahamas. You're only fit to rule a tiny island. You need to be distanced and you need to be put outside of the realm of your grooming and your calling because you're unfit for the place of honor. And so this thing with this governor making every people go back to their city and to their families, a lot of people would have issue with that. I'll tell you why. They have no family. They want to ignore that they have roots and their identity and their legacy is being ransacked. So they, they took off in that direction. And here, I love this response. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, and he went down to Bethlehem. Verse 5, what for? In order to register with Mary. Verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his engaged wife, who was with child. She's pregnant. She's carrying the child. Um, it, all of a sudden, verse 6, it says, while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And verse 7, she gave birth to a son, and her um, firstborn, and... She was wrapped, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him at the end. In verse 8, in the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone around them. And they were frightened terribly. Verse 10, but to the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Uh, I, I want to say this real quick, and I learned this over the years. 
It doesn't matter what's happening, where it's happening, and who's talking. If you're provoked to a feeling that of fear, that's not from God. Don't, don't allow, you know, things to come and, and paralyze your thoughts in thinking bad things are going to take place. Don't, don't receive that. Um, the, the counterpoint to that is over the years, people have told me, the way you're telling me things scares me. They've told me that. I said, well, look, let me ask you a question. If I'm telling you that 18-wheelers come through here at 80 miles an hour in the middle of the highway and I tell you don't do it because your brain's going to splatter, are you not going to listen to me because you're scared your brain's going to splatter? Or are you going to listen to me because I'm talking to you something that's going to keep you safe? So what I'm telling you has nothing to do with respect to bringing fear upon you. It's to bring wisdom so that you not suffer the plight of a fool. So let's be careful in that regard because many people says, no, I don't like the way Pastor Molina preaches because he puts the fear of God in me. Well, uh, others people have said he scares the hell out of me and I do that too. I don't want anything that hell has for you to come upon you. Get out of that scenario. So here, do not be afraid. He's telling the shepherds, for behold, I bring to you good tidings, great joy which will be to all the people. The purpose of God in the introduction of Christ is just that. Uh, I, I, I say this story often. I'm at three o'clock in the morning. I'm in my bed. I have the Lord speaks to me. Go and tell this man that I have an incredible life for him of all things he ever dreamed of to come true if he comes to Christ. So I wake up in the morning, six, seven o'clock in the morning. I travel over to where I know he always has breakfast. And I tell him, God told me to tell you that he has incredible things for your life and good tidings of great joy and, and good tidings, good news if you come to him. And he goes, you know something? I'm sick and tired of you all the time talking to me. I'm going to punch you in the nose. That's his response. I said, no, buddy. I'm going to punch you in the nose because I was sleeping last night at three o'clock in the morning. The Lord wakes me up to tell you something. I'm the one that's upset. How could you be upset at me? I'm just telling you what God said. And so... Some people don't understand that, that to abandon all things in Christ is to obtain and plug into the joy that God has for you. And that's why the devil is enticing you with all the other little gadgets and tricks to distort and pull you away. And so in that regards, those shepherds heard, do not be afraid for there's tidings of good news and great joy that's coming for which uh, for all people for this day in the city of David, verse 11 there has been born for you a savior. And I think that this is awesome. One who saves, who is Christ, the Messiah. And this is, when, when I see that the heavens are speaking to the lowliest of us, and the Bible says that he confounds the wise, the religious leaders of the day did not show up. These shepherds on the side of the hill were given an invitation, VIP, to come in. And this will be a sign for you, verse 12, by which you will recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, according to prophecy, and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude. This is one of the things I'm looking forward to, Pastor Richie. I don't know if you are, but the choirs of heaven. If, if, if Julie May could sing like that, imagine what the choirs of heaven sound like. I want to enjoy that. I want to see God... Uh, unveil that when we get to heaven 
and see the choir of angels, multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying these words. Verse, we're on verse 14. God, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. I, I love that amplified version that there is a peace that comes to those who give God the highest praise. If you put God at the highest place of your efforts, you're going to have the return refreshing. And, and some people want to think that there's refreshing coming without repentance. That's impossible. That's not, that's not even biblical. To, to, well, God is a good God, isn't he? Yeah. And, and didn't he say that he who has sinned, throw the first one, yeah. And didn't he say you have to have compassion and and be, yeah, all those things are true for those who repent, for those that are walking with God. If God were to bless the wicked, he would discount his word and what he tells us and his warnings. When the angels had gone, verse 15, from the heaven, when the, back to heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem. How is this different than the wise that knew where he was going to be born and didn't go? How is it that the foolish always seem to carry the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man is foolishness to God? And so the shepherds began to go in that direction and let's see this wonderful thing that has happened which the Lord has made us know. Um, this is very, uh, you need to know this and, and for those of you that are carrying different situations in your life, you're only responsible for what you know. You don't have to bug out and say, I wonder what's going to happen. If God is not showing you, you're not supposed to be doing anything. Wait till God shows you what you're supposed to do. You should be calling out to God for him to show you. But not coming up with your own self-medication. Wait for God to show you what to do, then go and do it. So he says, look, let's go in the direction of what the Lord has made known to us. And there's a lot of times where you're not looking out for something, but God brings it to your attention, and you can thank the Lord. So they went in a hurry, verse 16, and found, I'm going to preach in a hurry right now, um, and, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby was laying in a manger. And when they had seen this, they've made known, verse 17, what they had been told about this child. You, you know, Joseph and Mary are still in a mindset of, okay, we're trying to get counted in the census. We come from um, Galilee, 90 miles away. We, we've traveled. We're tired. The baby's born. And then confirmation comes from the shepherds. And he, they start telling, I love testimony time because when I hear testimony time, I see what God is doing. A lot of the things we know about God are the things that we have heard from the people that have experienced these things, and, and they're amazing. But I don't want you to stay there, and I, I, I want to touch upon this real quick, and it ties into the actual, what we started. Uh, Job 42, uh, Job says these words. I need to find that real quick because it's part of what's going on here. Um, verse 5, this is what Job says at the end of his testing. I've heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. There's a big difference from knowing God by what your parents tell you. It's a big difference between knowing God by what the pastor tells you. But when God shows you, 
Nobody's going to mess with what God shows you, so tell God to show you. It's good that somebody's there telling you about it. The shepherds are telling them about everything, but it's powerful when you see it directly from God. And, and so that's our reality. We're not, we're not sharing the gospel based on somebody else's story. We have had a personal experience that have led us to know God in these things. So a lot of people sit there and say, well, you think you know everything. No, but I've seen a whole bunch. I've seen a lot in, in this lifetime, especially in Christ and in these matters. So I usually tell people, what were you doing 24 years ago? I told one man here, I go, 24 years ago, how old were you? He goes, six. I go, okay, what you see me doing now with you, I've been doing when you were six. When you were finger painting in kindergarten, I was already fighting demons and leading the troops and called by God to change the world. But some people don't carry that as any, as, nothing. They, they, they don't give any value to a man's journey in that regard. So here it is. They started telling Mary and Joseph all the things they heard and they were astounded and wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 18, they were like freaking out. We're back in Luke 2. 18, all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. They're just, they're just like, man, you should have seen the angels. Yeah. And they were describing everything. You know, show up at your, at your uh, birthing table there and, and to speak these things. And look what their response was. They, verse 19, they kept those things. Mary kept all these things and pondered them. It was consistent with what the angel told her about giving birth to the Messiah, the Holy Spirit coming upon her. It was consistent with her visiting Elizabeth. Uh, it was consistent with, with uh, her settings aside her life for the purpose of God. She pondered them in her heart. And verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as it was told to them. So um, we see that these things have just like a, a I want to say profound significance in to tell the story uh, that God has with mankind. Uh, the Romans were in their affairs of conquering and establishing their authority and their right, but they were also used by God to call this census to make everything move in the direction of God. And, and then the businessmen there at the end, they, they, you know, they, they didn't find that these people had any significant amount. They didn't have reservations. How, how many like reservations? I know some of you have so much good time, you get to make reservations six months in advance, wherever you go. I don't have that luxury. So every time I go to a restaurant, I tell Yvette, well, I made this reservation six months ago. Six minutes, maybe. Not even. We just drive up and says, we're supposed to be here. Where's your VIP table? We're on God's assignment, and there has to be a parking space everywhere I go and a table at every restaurant I want to bless my wife with. I don't have time to be caught up in the affairs of this life. That's not my priority. My, prior, my priority is to be available for God and to make sure that I'm looking up in heaven and not so much here on the earth, but I have to be responsible on earth or else nobody takes me serious. So we, we need to be excellent in our, in our proceeding in these matters. Um, let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. 
we, we talked about chapter 9, verse 2, which this city, uh, these people that in deep darkness, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, real quickly, um, it talks about a, a people that are sitting in great darkness. You guys going to take me to verse 2 real quick? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. So when, when everything is dark and gloomy and whatever, you have to pursue the light because the problem is not the darkness. The problem is there's no light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So who is this light and how does it shine? Verse 6, for unto us a child is born. This was the proclamation. Every time God's people were in dire straits, their answer was God's provision in the sun. A child is born, a son is given, the government, the, the, the rule will be upon his shoulders. That carries the weight. The government will be upon his shoulders um, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All the attributes of the goodness of God displayed through Christ. He has the full provision of the things that regard our plight isaiah 7 verse 10 here now you house of david it's not enough that you try the patience of men do you want to try the patience of god also i i know that some people have have tried my patience and and I, i've served for 15 years right watch this i've been somebody's pastors for 15 years and then all of a sudden i say you know something i'm done and they're like you can't be done you you're the pastor no no, no. with some people i'm done and they're in trouble when I'm done. Because now they don't have a shepherd. They get to wander without leadership and without provision of God. And that's a sad day. But they're like, no, but you have to. No, I don't have to because I get tired. So he says the patience of men, but now you've tried the patience of God. We're reading Isaiah 7, 10. Here now, house of David, you've tried the patience of men. Verse 13, I'm sorry. Here now, house of David, is this a small thing for you to weary men, but now you've also wearied my God also. You've also tanked God's patience by your craziness. Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 15, he will be eating curds and honey. And when he knows enough to reject wrong and choose right, this, this whole thing about um, curds and honey, leche y miel, milk and honey, curds and honey, the good things of life are to be given to a child early on so later on in life he gets to refuse evil and choose good. The, the, the horriblest thing in my life were that my kids would embrace things that are wrong. And so from the time they were two years old, look, they were about this high. They were like, they were two years old. And I taught all my children, whenever something came in their life, they had to discern bueno or malo, good or bad. And every time they said bad, I go, what do you do with bad? they would run to the trash and throw it out. But if you don't know between good and bad, 
you might call the good things bad and the bad things good. And then the Bible says you're, you're messed up for the rest of your life. So as they grew up, they would get toys, especially around Christmas time. And the toys had horns and unicorns and all the diabolical schemes of, of this world's craziness. They want your kids to play with evil. Harry Potter, witchcraft, rebellion. What for? So that when they grow up, they continue in the same mindset. But we have grandparents that are bringing toys to little children. Oh, who are those? Those are the, what, what's these little girls that wear the makeup? and The brats. Here, we got you some brats for Christmas. Why? So you become a brat. And so we taught our kids, whenever they got toys, this is the demon, evil, superpower Avenger. Okay, is that good or bad? It was, it's bad. Okay, what's bad go? Throw them in the trash. Brand new package. Brand new toy. Bad goes in the trash. Good goes home and sleeps with you at night. But if you have crossed those things, you ruin your children and grandchildren for Christmas. So now you got to go return all those toys. Don't sow seeds. Be careful. You might get your, your kid a hot rod. Oh, this is a hot rod. And it goes fast. Guess what he does when he gets a car? He goes fast. You lost your son. You sowed that into his life. A lot of people go around with Batman. Batman is called the Prince of Darkness. That's a demon. The principality in the kingdom of darkness. They, they, they dress, I got you a Batman outfit for Christmas. And the kid's like, Prince of Darkness, here I come. And then when they're 30 and 40, the largest collection of memora, Batman memorabilia was owned by a millionaire in Miami. He bought the Batmobile, he bought the Batmobelt, and Bat this, and Bat. He had three houses, warehouses, filled with the storage of Batman memorabilia at age 40. And he never grew up. He stayed as a kid in that world. So, so these things, we need to concern ourselves. He is trained to um, eat good things that he might know how to refuse evil. If you have a son or a daughter that does not know how to put away bad things, doesn't know how to put away bad things, he's going to end up in the wrong company, the wrong harvest. But if he eats the good things growing up, he betrays, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart. He'll know how to refuse evil and choose good. That's, that's Jesus' model for us. And in that regards, verse 16, for before the boy knows enough to reject wrong and choose a right, the land of two kings you dread will be laid waste. Um, two different uh, government ruling in the life's child, that which is to do good or that which is to do bad. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, the, the admonition of the Lord is to be careful Woe to those who call evil things good. Why are you doing that? Well, because I, I like it. It's good. It's bad. It's evil. And you continue to persist. Oh, how about the good things? Oh, I don't like that. It's boring. I don't, I'm not interested. Good is evil to him. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter things as sweet and sweet things as bitter. When you have that mindset and you're twisted in those affairs, you miss Christmas. You miss God. You miss his goodness. Let's stand this morning and ask God for mercy during these holidays. Uh
There's so much tied into today's word. I don't want to belabor the point other than I would hate for you to miss the purpose of God in your life, the purpose for your offspring, the purpose for your children, your sons and daughters, that they would be disconnected from the Christmas celebration. And, and we have an opportunity every year to revisit the capacity that as it went for Jesus in his lifetime, um, you might not know this. Your parents might not have pressed hard into the word of God to know this, that every single one of you has a life that was prepared by God before you were born. What's that mean? Prophetically, you're to accomplish a call of God. They call it a vocation. In other words, God put you on the earth for a purpose. I praise God for Carmine to know that he's just not one of a bunch of young men in our army. He's a, he's a warrior for Christ who knows that everything in his life is preparing him for the purpose of God. That, that is worth a million dollars. So me also, when I was his age and growing up, a lot of people reached out and says, Joaquin, you become the mayor of Miami. Joaquin, you become a, an incredible lawyer, make a lot of money. I said, no, that's not consistent with God's purpose in my life. I've already heard from God what I'm supposed to do. And I'm laser focused in that direction. And even religious leaders have said, no, God doesn't use people like you. And I'm like, okay, sit back and watch, buddy. Sit back and watch God do his thing. So, Father, thank you for Christmas and thank you for this story. Thank you for being in the house of God and tapping into your wisdom and to the principles of your word. They're refreshing to our soul. They make the foolish man wise. You allow us to champion life. And I pray that parents here would understand that this life is not about just work and making money and showering our children with gifts to make their heart joyous, but that they might be planted and rooted and purposed in the will of God for their life. And that they not miss what God has prepared from before the foundations of the earth, that they would see it come to pass. Their sons and daughters taking places of authority, taking places of influence, to be the head and not the tail, to be champions in every area of life, but most of all, being faithful to their calling Christ and pleasing God in all things and being a blessing and a refreshing to the people of God, Lord, as an example to believers in all things. We give you thanks for this day, Lord. We ask you to bless the remaining part of the Christmas holidays, giving us wisdom and provision for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of God, and we'll see you here. Okay, here's the announcement. No Friday youth group anymore, no Saturday youth group um, till the new year, and no Thursday night prayer, okay? So the only thing that's going to be throughout the, the, the holiday is Wednesday and Sunday. Wednesday and Sunday, we're going to meet here. And the 31st at 10 o'clock, we're going to be here celebrating the new year. God bless you.